All right. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the 306 Fantasy Football Podcast. Uh, we're recording on the Tuesday evening for our November 16th, episode number 68, where we're going to prepare for week number 11, as well as talk about a little bit of reaction from the most uh, most recent week here, week 10. And we're going to dive into a quick question of the week as well with a little bit of a dynasty angle. So before we get started, we'll say hello to uh, say hello to the fellas here. And uh, we'll start this one off with uh, Zach. Zach, uh, how's the last little week been going here? And I guess and um, I guess a little maybe a little fantasy check in too. I know we got a little bit to talk about here. That's that's a little the next little bit here. But uh, what's been keeping you busy? Ah, uh, well, last week I took some time off from work. I had Wednesday and Thursday off, so made a nice little five day weekend, which was super awesome until. Had to go back to work yesterday, and that just felt like the toughest wake up in the world. It's like that first Monday back from the Christmas break, where it's just like just an absolute grind to get out of bed. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> I don't know. Five days felt like five weeks. It was it was a struggle. And Armin, how about yourself? I had a nice uh, long weekend as well. I didn't get the Wednesday off, but we had a PD day, so it pretty much made it a five-day weekend as close as you can be without it actually being and uh got some stuff done around the house and hung out with the the family we had a great old time um went uh, out in the winter and sledding and um stayed inside on the cold days and did some activities and played around it was fun and the little one just had his first day of daycare on monday so that was wild tuckered out to look like today too from your snapchat <laughs> yeah well both days he hasn't had an afternoon nap he's just been too excited while he's been there and yeah he's fell asleep well he fell asleep on the ride home today from daycare and then yesterday he was darn close <laughs> that's awesome uh myself we had uh, my wife and i actually went to a wedding on saturday which was a nice little treat um i just didn't feel much as relaxing of a break like like Zach has attested to is kind of just busy with a lot of work around the house and stuff, kind of getting things going. And I don't know about you guys, but my wife, uh, she is Captain Christmas, I'll call her. So as soon mm-hmm. as November 11th turns the turns the page, it's it's Christmas season in her eyes. I've always said November 11th, it's they can't go up before then because we always do the Battleford trip. We go do our Remembrance Day thing at uh, the grave site there in North Battleford. We've done that ever since I was a little kid. So I said, after that, I'll cave in, but no, no earlier than the 11th. So 11th turned the page. We had a wedding on Saturday and Sunday. Our house was Christmified pretty quick. So, and then I uh, had a sick day on Monday. I actually had a bit of the flu. So back and at it here and ready to talk some football. Are you, before you get going to your guys' wives, very Christmassy like that too, or is it kind of just, it gets up when it gets up? A little bit on, uh, on Saturday, we actually bought a, a new Christmas tree. And uh, we set it up in the store, making sure it was not too wide. We have a smaller area for our for our tree in our house and had to make sure it fit. And uh, I don't know how they get it into the box. It wouldn't go back in worth a darn. So we carried out four individual pieces to the back of the car. That's outstanding. I can't believe they let you actually set it up in the store. That's First of all, that's impressive. Yeah, we asked them, like... <laughs> We kind of explained the situation, said, hey, we have a small spot for it. Do you mind? And they're like, no, as long as uh, as long as this is the one that you buy, if you, if you end up buying one, it has to be this one of like that make and model. Mm-hmm. So 
sure enough. There you go. Did you get the discount four model too, or what? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> should have tried that one yeah, sir, after sir, knocking stuff now. over and <laughs> borrowing their knife and yeah, hit them up for like a ten percent discount. Oh, yeah. It's been opened. Yeah, exactly. What about you, Armin? Is uh, is Kylie pretty Christmassy too, or what? You know, uh, as we've gotten older, she's gotten more and more Christmassy. She actually used to be a bit of a Scrooge, but now she's not. She's more on the other side now. Um, We started putting our decorations up uh, today, actually, as well. So um, I'm more of into the decorations. I want to have fun, make the house look magical for, for the little ones. Yeah, it's especially when you got the little ones too. You know, that's where it gets a little bit more exciting and you get into it. I'm I'm kind of like, man, like Christmas <laughs> is Christmas. Like it's kind of like whatever to me. Like I I put up I always put up a tree in my house and that was kind of it. That was the extent. Uh I broke down the Christmas lights last year and I did not take them down. I just left those poor suckers up because we got a pretty we got a pretty big long stretch of uh street facing um i guess what would you call it i guess a roof line i suppose so it, it took a lot of christmas lights to get the the roof line done and they're staying up there forget if those ever get toast we're done it's it is a chore for, for those people at home that take down and put up their christmas lights every year good for you you deserve like i don't know an extra paid holiday or something like that or paid vacation day or something <laughs> that is a task and a half but but I guess we'll get into things here. We'll tear away from the Christmas talk here and, and into a little bit of fantasy, fantasy football. Uh, we'll talk about, uh, we'll talk about the Jefferson catch maybe a little bit after. I know that's uh, going to be a hot topic and maybe a little bit of discussion there, but let's talk about bad beats. It seems like we talk about this once every once in a while. I know we talk about Arm and I have a real good story. We talk about it all the time about our, our bad beats back and forth there, but in the charity league, there was two really bad beats. One, was we we talked about it in the charity league group chat and he needed Devonta Smith to obviously boom to to win and he was up by like one and a half points or two points or something like that and and he was you know all is good in the world I'm gonna win my matchup and then Devonta Smith throws that fumble backwards at the end of the game and he ends up losing on that uh which which really really sucks that'd be a tough loss literally losing on the last play of uh of your week but then there was us we needed a a big win. Uh, or you said they should say we need a big win. We had a big pr- big production from Jalen Hurts, and we got that. He had a good day, and then uh, you know we went to bed thinking, hey, we won by. I think we ended up thinking it was like half a point or one and a half points or something. To wake up finding we lost by zero point zero two points, based on a stat correction. So that's got to be one of the worst losses i've ever experienced i know i've experienced experienced more roller coaster like losses or the or the tough losses in in fantasy playoffs but for a regular season loss this one is one of the more difficult ones to swallow especially going to bed a winner and waking up a loser that's 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 pretty unfortunate but anything uh, anything you guys have seen i guess we talked about the one on the pod where the guy found out he actually won his fantasy championship like two or three months later. I mean, we talked about that on the pod. And if you don't know what we're talking about, we could talk about that maybe during the off season a little bit more. Cause that was a wild story, but anything, anything you guys have comparable to this or a tighter loss, I suppose. No, no, just our, our one in the playoffs a few years ago there, Jordan, but I don't think it was quite this tight. It was pretty close to this tight, but that one we were hoping, I was hoping for a stack correction and it didn't happen. So yeah i'm a little jealous of this guy here well and it, like if you know like the uh, stack corrected 
it had to be pretty decent because I think we were up by like one or not quite one. So it like it had to be a decent little like stat correction to actually overthrow us. But I didn't look too deep into it. It's regular season. We're, we're probably making the playoffs. It's not going to hurt us too bad, but uh, it is what it is. What about you, Zach? Do you have anything in the comparison to that? No, nothing like what we experienced. Um, I didn't even realize that uh, we were ahead by that little. I thought we were ahead by a lot more. Um, so makes it all the worse. <laughs> oh yeah it's and then and yeah it's it is what it is like you can't change it but i remember we had the one uh i can't remember if it was last year two years ago they ruled was it against you zach maybe or or maybe you just happened to have this discussion with you but they ruled a fumble i actually like uh or a strip sack i can't remember how it all worked out but they ended up giving an extra two points to the defense when they probably didn't deserve it but it was on like the fourth last play of the game is fourth down, but so what it actually wasn't a strip sack. It was an incomplete pass and they just left it as a strip sack. And that's how I lost. I, I can't remember if it was against you, Zach, or if it was a discussion we had, but I was just like, this is just the worst. This is just the worst. And same like <laughs> not as close as this last loss as we had is, but in the playoffs, when you start breaking down actual plays to the changes, your outcome, that's, it hurts a little bit more, but then no, no pun intended. We're talking about hurts here, but um we'll talk about the jefferson catch here in a sec because i think we got to spend some time on that too but we'll get to the 22 fresh quick question of the week first and this one we're going to go a little bit of dynasty uh i know this is a it may be clear cut and dry but i i thought it was a little fun to discuss this we're at the halfway point here a little over halfway point in the season uh we just made a myself i just made a big dynasty trade this morning as well too so it made me think hey let's let's talk a little dynasty uh so the question was if you were in a dynasty startup right now who would be your 101 pick? And I know I, I saw on the docket here, Zach and Armin both talked about um, the picks, whether it be a 2Q league or a 1Q league, because obviously that's going to change your opinion a little bit as well, too. So maybe we'll let Zach start this one off here. Zach, what do you what do you got written down? So in a super flex league, um, I really lean heavily towards the quarterbacks. So in a 2Q league, I would go Josh Allen. Um, I think he offers the best blend of uh, passing attack while still offering that uh, rushing bonus. So I'd go with Josh Allen, but in a regular, in, in most leagues that are one quarterback, um, quarterbacks aren't as valuable. So looking at maybe a receiver, possibly a running back, but I think as it is now, as the game is now, you got to go wide receiver and uh, in my book, the best young wide receiver is Justin Jefferson right now. So he'd be my pick. I, uh, it's funny. I wrote my docket. I disagree with Zach. Like that's, that's, that's just, Zach took the, the words out of my mouth. So I have a couple other names I'm going to throw into the mix too, but I'll let Armin go first here. Cause Armin actually did write down something a little contrary and, and you know, there's, I think there's an argument to be made here for sure. So I'm curious on, uh, on uh, Armin, I'm curious on uh, Armin's thought process here. All right, so for Superflex League, I went uh, Geno Smith. <laughs> Just yeah. kidding, guys. Right, uh, <laughs> Call me off guard there. I was like, wait, no, you didn't. And then I realized, oh, <laughs> <you know. laughs> um, I was like, no reaction, guys. Like, whoa, okay. It's been a long day here, okay. <laughs> um, no, I went with uh, with Jalen Hurts. And, you know, it, it's kind of a knee-jerk reaction, plus wanting to be a little bit different than Zach here to give us a bit more content. But uh, if you listen to a lot of people around the league, 
um, the last few days after this Minnesota loss, Josh Allen is reverting back to some of his old bad habits that he used to have. Um, according to the NFL experts, um, I haven't watched enough of him to, to really tell you that or not. He's still putting up great fantasy points, but so Jalen hurts is then the next name. He's got that rushing upside and he just gets better every year. He's improving. He's hungry. He wants to win and he's got a good team around him as well. So, I, I like Jalen Hurts as a, as a 101 for a 2QB league. Now, that's if you're QB heavy. Um, and the argument could be made, if you're in a PP, full PPR league, that maybe 101 should be a receiver. And um, if you're in a single QB league, Dynasty, you got to go receiver because they're going to last longer. They have that longer shelf life than the, than the running backs. And that's also why in a two Q league, you go a little bit more towards the QB in my mind is that their shelf life is even longer than receivers usually. Um, but one QB league, I'd say Jalen Waddle. Um, he's a PPR machine um, as far as receptions, big plays. He can do it all. I loved him coming out of college um, and he, he's a great receiver. Um, I love Justin Jefferson too. I'm a Vikings fan. I hope he sticks around there forever, knock on wood, um, <laughs> and that he keeps a good head on his shoulders. Um, and the only reason I put Waddle down is because you have to be contrarian to, to one another here. You get a little bit more discussion going. But honestly, I do actually agree with Zach, with Justin Jefferson. Yeah, I I agree in both aspects with Zach. It's hard not to take the QB1 for the last two years and quite possibly three years in a row. Uh, so I, I agree in all aspects. I think Josh Allen and Justin Jefferson are are the correct answers. Not that, you know, there is a wrong answer, I guess. It all depends on who you like and who you value most. But other names that could be thrown in the mix, obviously, too, is like guys like Jamar Chase. I know like C.D. Lamb was getting a lot of love going into the season. Not that I think he surpasses the names that have already been thrown out there, but I'm just throwing out, you know, big, big wide receiver names that have gained a little bit of traction over the last couple of years. Same thing, DK Metcalf before the Russell Wilson trade could have been in the mix there. And then quarterbacks like uh, Patrick Mahomes, I think is somebody that could definitely be argued. He still has that rushing platform, not to the extent of the other two names that were noted, but he does have, you know, <laughs> an unbelievable arm. Uh, very, very successful. And to my demise, uh, I was on the sell aspect that I thought this receiving game was going to go drastically down uh, to the, you know, to the chagrin of Zach and Armin that argued that the the plus of many are going to carry the weight of one. And that's mm-hmm. definitely what's that, what, what they've done so far. Not that you can rely specifically on any of those for fantasy options, but the person you can rely for fantasy has been Patrick Mahomes. And that's exactly what you guys argued. And, um, and I, you know, I was, I'll be mad enough to admit I was wrong. So that's somebody that you could definitely look at to be your one-on-one off the board because he's going to be around Casey for a long, long time. And, Attached to Andy Reid for, for the foreseeable future and with, with fantasy weapons that just keep getting the job done. So that's somebody you could talk about. I know um, I'm very big on Herbert. I think the injuries hurt him a little bit. Uh, I don't know if I would be willing to say the 101, but I'd be definitely trying to be sneaking him in the uh, 104 category there, hopefully. Uh, get a little bit of a discount on somebody that I think could be categorized as the 101. But I, I definitely do agree with the names that Armin and Zach put forward. But I think Justin Jefferson, especially coming off this this last week, was like, my goodness, this guy is really, really good. Really, really, really good. Sorry, Eagles fans, but Justin Jefferson is very, very good. 
Um, with that being said, uh, we'll talk about him. I, I know for a fact, we'll talk about him again in the next bit. And that's where we're going to, that's where we'll bring up the big catch. But first we got to, uh, we got to talk a little bit of insiders and headliners. Hey, before you do that, yep. um, one guy that I want to ask you about, what would Justin Fields have to do by the end of season to be considered maybe as a guy that it wouldn't be outrageous to take as one one What do you guys think? I think it's a similar story to what Justin Hurts had to overcome or Justin Hurts, Jalen Hurts had to overcome last year. He was getting it done on the ground, but wasn't really showing it in the air. Um, and I think he needs weapons. That's, I know we talked about the, the lack of weapons in the offense. He's got Claypool now and hopefully start getting a little bit of a connection there. Komet starting to come on strong a little bit here in the last couple of weeks. Uh, but I think he needs some weapons to help bolster that. I think the old line needs to step it up a little bit. And then uh, I think he needs to start, you know, showing it through the air that he has the, the capability and the accuracy to, to make that next step. Like Lamar had to do it. Jalen Hurts had to do it. And now I think Justin Fields has to do it. Too. Do, you, do you agree with that summation, Zach, or anything else you want to add? Or Yeah, I think you hit the, the nail on the head there. If you look at the two quarterbacks, the three quarterbacks that we listed there in, in Josh Allen, Hurts, and Mahomes, uh, two of them, Allen and Hurts, have two of the top, say, seven wide receivers uh, in Diggs and Brown. And then they both have a very dynamic uh, complementary piece there in, um, shoot, in uh, Smith, Smith and uh, Davis. And Mahomes, he has Kelsey, which is as good as either of the number one receivers. And then kind of a hodgepodge there of Juju and the rest. Well, you've seen Juju um, take something before too. Like I still think like, obviously we'll talk about the injury in a bit, but I think Juju was making strides to become that wide receiver one. Mm-hmm. Out of anyone in that uh, receiver room for exactly. sure. Yeah. And now in Chicago, like, yeah, Mooney and Claypool are nice and, and Komet's been coming on, but I don't think any of those three pieces even stack up remotely close to either team's, either of those guys um, first one option. options. Yeah. And like up until two weeks ago, people were calling for Mike Lieberflus or whatever his name is there, the head coach in Chicago to be fired. So um, I think this is, I don't think this is a flash in a pan, but I think what you said there, uh, Jor, I think it, it's going to take a little bit more consistency. And I don't know if that consistency can happen in, in the rest of the season, Armin, but if we're having this discussion next year and he's playing to a similar level next year at this time, then for sure, I think with that passing, uh, rather with that rushing upside uh, to go along with his passing game, then I think that could be a real discussion. It's I find it pretty ironic because if you go back ballpark 25 episodes ago and you probably listen, we talked <laughs> about the exact same conversation with Jalen Hurts. Do you think he can be the QB one? And I think we, a lot of us were more on the no compared to the yes. There's a lot of fantasy relevance there for him rushing on the ground, but Philadelphia had a lot of draft capital and it seems, you know, pretty scary that they could replace him, but can he take that step forward? And our hesitancy in the middle year started kind of dwindling as it progressed towards the end of the season. And then as we got into the season, we were pretty high on him as a QB sleeper, I guess, and not, I mean, not a sleeper, but somebody you could pick up later in comparison. And he's been panning out for what we got him on our charity league. It's been awesome having him, but he <laughs> had to prove him, take that step, knowing that there's the baseline. 
where, you know, guys like Aaron Rodgers, you lose a weapon, you lose your ability to put up fantasy points. It's been very, very frustrating for him where you can rely on that rushing platform, same as Justin Fields. But that's what you look at the draft season. Look what Philadelphia did. They added that bona fide one to see, do we have it in him or not? And that's what Chicago is going to have to do this upcoming season. And there's, there's a lot of really good wide receivers in the draft that I think they could do or take some draft capital and go pick up a vet or something. You know, there's, there's those options as well, but I think something like that's going to have to happen. I think Zach, Zach made a really good point there. That's it's, 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 I just find it funny that we've literally had this almost word for word conversation <laughs> with a guy that we've already, that we've mentioned that could be a one-on-one in dynasty startup. So it might be a, an opportunity to quote unquote buy low in dynasty on somebody that, could take the step right and gamble on him making that jump yeah and fields and fields could do everything right from here on out but i think like we've already said until he gets that uh that running mate that uh bona fide number one it would be really difficult i think to put that kind of uh praise i guess expectations that thank you onto him um since he is as much of a rusher as he is a, a, a passer, he he definitely needs that number one target, I think. Mm-hmm. And there's times where you watch him and it's like, that was a great read. That was a great play that you look like an NFL quarterback. And then there's times where it's like, what the hell were you doing? <laughs> what were you thinking? Like, it's just, you, you scratch your head and it's, it's those types of decisions that need to be minimized. I think too, not only for him to be successful in fantasy, but for him to be successful in the NFL. Like you can only like look what happened to RG3. You can only rush and run for so long. Teams will eventually like defensive coordinators in NFL are are pretty smart people. Like what they've been able to do to Patrick Mahomes for a couple of years. You know, they they adapt the way they work, they adapt the way they to become successful. And you just take away the run. And if you can't throw it, that was the like the comments coming back to it. That was the comments about Lamar. Take away the run, is he gonna be successful? And then he proved in a big way that yeah, you can do that. So it's only a matter of time before teams start taking away and just you know spying him and taking away his rushing threat. And then is he gonna be successful? And that that'll be very, very telling. But speaking of telling, we'll we'll talk about a few of these players here in in two shakes. We'll get to some insiders and headliners. I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. I'm Ron Burgundy. I think we can just call this section like fantasy sucks or like, I don't know, um, QB1 loses major target share. Like, I don't know, because it's just <laughs> it's big names that were really, really important to fantasy and really important to quarterbacks that we've already discussed being successful. We're going to lose them for a foreseeable future, if not the remainder of the season. Um, so we just talked about Jalen Hurts. He loses Dallas Goddard. Uh, if you watch the Monday Nighter last night, uh, Goddard goes down, gets strip sacked, or gets sorry, gets stripped after reception, goes down, injures the shoulder. Uh, there's no estimated timeline on how long he's going to be out, other than the fact that he is going to be missing time for the foreseeable future. So uh, tight end one goes down there in Philadelphia. Uh, tight end one in Arizona, Zach Ertz has been placed on season-ending injury uh, on the injured reserve there after a knee injury. So his season is over. That was a hefty target for Kyler Murray and the Arizona offense. Um, I know we say it every time we record Tuesday, the waivers go through, uh, and then you're listening to this on a Wednesday. Um, Trey McKitty 
uh, sorry, Trey McBride, sorry, is a really interesting ad uh, because he's just going to be necessary. They're still waiting for Hollywood Brown to come back. Uh, Rondell Moore to the moon, I think, right now, uh, because he's really the only healthy wide receiver. Like AJ <laughs> Green got a touchdown this week. So if that's telling you anything, like the yeah. Arizona Cardinals need some weapons here. So, uh, but Zach Ertz done for the season. Um, Cardinals weren't done there either. They uh, released Eno Benjamin, um, with, which was a bit of an interesting one because I think he succeeded or or surpassed expectations that he was yeah, that was... here and uh was ended up picked off waivers by the texans but that was that was a bit of a head scratcher and and you know connor was out for uh you know a decent chunk of ch- uh, time and i think benjamin filled that position admirably or at least like i said before like a lot more than expectations so i was a bit surprising that they would move on from him but uh houston was obviously very appreciative of that is <laughs> moved him off the waiver wire pretty quick um Khalil Herbert running back of the the Chicago Bears has been placed on the IR so he's going to miss a minimum of four weeks and then probably the bigger piece of news is uh, Cooper Cup this one really really sucks for fantasy managers I know I talked about that trade that happened in our charity league this just makes it so much worse now but uh he's gonna he had surgery on a high ankle sprain uh they did x-rays I think it, a lot of people thought it was going to be broken. Once again, it was very similar to that Mike Williams one where it just looked really, really, really bad. Um, but the extras came back negative. Uh, but he has been placed on IR following the surgery and is going to miss a minimum of four weeks. So that's that's a tough one, not only for the Rams, whose season is really in jeopardy, uh, three and six in a really, really strong division. There is a good chance that they just might miss the playoffs, let alone uh, put out a successful football team because right now their offense is struggling and losing Cooper cup is not going to help that. A um, couple other things, Juju Smith knocked out. We talked about him a little bit there, but he got knocked out in that game um, just to do with the new concussion protocol and player safety protocol. The chances of him playing this week are very, very unlikely. So uh, if that was somebody that you were looking that to keep, keep playing in your, in your uh, either in your wide receiver flex position I'd be looking for other options this week because the chance of him playing is pretty unlikely. And then just continue monitoring the Stafford and Murray because those are both quarterbacks that uh, did not play this week. But um, I- I'm going to ask the question here, and maybe I'll go to Zach about this one. The Cooper Cup news, um, is this something where maybe there's going to be a little bit of added value to the other players? You know, like <laughs> we can skip past Robinson maybe because it's just – uh, Allen Robinson is enigma. He's very frustrating, but you know, there's guys like uh, the running backs where they haven't been successful so far and they've struggled uh, early on, but you know, maybe that means that they might have to step up to the plate. Uh, maybe guys like Van Jefferson coming off the IR uh, who was, you know, pretty reliable at the end of the season last year. Um, so far it's been kind of inconsistent coming off the injury, uh, Tyler Higby, or is it something where it's just like, it's been bad. This makes it worse. I'm trying to get out. Well, speaking of bad and this makes it worse, uh, the one league that you and I in, I was middle of the pack there, number five in the standings. And I was hoping to make a playoff push this week during the trade deadline. And now with no cup and no Goddard, it's just not even worth it anymore. <laughs> that team had so much promise. It had swift cup goddard and a chase and now it's just penniless yeah it's embarrassing is that the same one you gave me an absolute licking in this week 
No, no, that one was in uh, Armin's League. This was in the uh, oh, Misfits. Yeah, I was going to say, because in Armin's League, you gave me an absolute beat down, but I don't remember seeing a couple on that one. But yeah, that one, I, <laughs> I caught a lick on that one. I'll tell you that for sure. But, um, but to, to answer your question there, um, I think if they have any hope in making a playoff push, push, at which point in this time it's not looking great for them, I, would, I wouldn't expect their ground game to change up that much or to make up the difference. I would look for it to be, be the passers, whether it's Higby, uh, Jefferson. Honestly, it would be like super poetic if Al Robinson was like a fantasy darling the last six weeks here and just the stole truth, the show. The truth is it'd be trolling Twitter like nobody's busy. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> what if this happened? What if the uh, long-time flirtation between the Rams and OBJ finally just all comes together where now it's mid-November, mid to late November, and he's finally healthy again. And the Rams are in a serious need for a receiver that could step in tomorrow and uh, know the playbook, know the offense. What if that, what if that happens? It makes a lot more sense. Like I think he just came out saying that the, this is, pre-cup news i read on twitter this morning uh it was yeah he decided that it's going to be either dallas or the giants that's two teams he's kind of leaning towards but now that it makes a lot more sense that there's a lot of need and somebody that like you said understands the playbook and that has a bit of rapport with matthew stafford already you saw him produce in a big way down the stretch last year and obviously in the super bowl before he went down so it makes a lot of sense now before where before it was kind of you know a head scratcher but now it yeah it's there's definitely a need there. So, and I would love it. I would love it as a OBJ owner in dynasty, plug him in there. Let's just let him ride. Let's let him ride and I'll, I'll soak it up. So let's just talk that one to existence. Act. <laughs> I honestly <laughs> kind of oversaw that as an oversight and now I'm just cheering for it. So well done. I'll, t- I'll take that to the bank. Um, before we move on from insiders and headliners here, uh, Armand, I know we we've talked about the tight end landscape and how it's pretty vast and, and frustrating here. Like, what do you think would be worse? And I take this take this one with a grain of salt because I know you traded Goddard, but having Dallas Goddard and now losing him for the foreseeable future, or having a healthy Kyle Pitts right now, which one, which side of the coin would you rather be on? Well, the the injured Dallas Goddard because at least you know you can't start him. You know what it is there, right? Whereas Kyle Pitts, it's do you start him? Do you not? It's a tough decision to make and to bench him for another tight end that, you know, isn't the talent that he is and doesn't have the ceiling he has is really tough to do. So having the injured players a little bit nicer in the fact that it's just like, oh, yeah, I'm not playing him because I can't. So that's the right answer. 100%. 100%. Oh, man, that's one of the most frustrating things this season has been the Kyle Pitts. He might be he might win the award for us in our award section for you know, the most disappointing player of the year, but well, that's going to be, uh, that's still, we still got lots of football left for people to disappoint us. So no worries to jump the gun on that one, but uh, talking about jumping the gun, what you're going to jump the gun on is getting into the promo code and utilizing 306 FFB 15. Uh, if you don't head down to their website, you're going to miss out on some unreal deals as well as some unreal merchandise. If you haven't got there already, um, actually Zach, I think it was you that put in the group chat, the 22 fresh, uh, huskies hoodie my goodness is that unbelievable never seen that before and i have the 22 fresh 
sweater with like you know that beveled writing it's the same style but just obviously different sweater and i love mine and the bevel look to it is unbelievable but that beveled logo of the husky on there that's a nice touch that's a really nice hoodie and uh zach said you know was we gotta get our friends at 22 fresh to maybe hook us up with those next year and i was like yeah <laughs> well we'll try and pull some strings but if uh, you and homer you know know what we're talking about or seen that hoodie before well, don't wait. Go down to 22 Fresh and get that one, and you'll get 15% off on checkout if you use the promo code 306FFB15. Uh, that checkout code, you know, it's a nice promo code that for you at home that listen to us, well, you get a benefit from our partnership with 22 Fresh as well, too. So making sure that you're going to use that code and, and save some money. And, and obviously, we want to thank 22 Fresh for being our, our major sponsor of the year and, and helping out our listeners at home. Uh, for their dedication to the podcast so thank you very much 22 fresh and thank you very much to you at home the listeners so uh continuing on our merry way here uh we're going to get into our weekly recap okay so weekly recap we'll start it off with the studs and duds of week 10 and uh, i'm going to start this one off um actually you know what <laughs> let's i'm gonna let armin go first and maybe talk about the saga of what he had to go through to to claim justin jefferson this week all right, so uh, yeah, came into the docket and Zach already had Justin Jefferson written down. And, you know, I, I had to say something because I'm a Vikings fan. And after that catch, oh my God, I I needed to talk about Justin Jefferson. I couldn't let anyone else have so to for, explain to For Zach. those of you at home here that know how this works, our rules are you throw it in the group chat, claiming your whatever stud start of the week whatever it is or you put in the docket and that's how you claim your guys and to be honest armin did zero of these things so <laughs> zach just in the goodness of his heart gave in i don't know if that's the reason or not but uh for those of you at home so now at least you know the whole maybe maybe there's a side deal in the back you know like you threw in <laughs> an extra fifth round pick in this upcoming draft i don't know but something had to happen under the table no, I, I did my best to Gelton and I uh I did text Jordan and yes, that's not the rules, but it was just I was watching the game so excited and I didn't want to close it on my phone because with little kids I, I don't get to watch the games on, on the TV all the time, so I have to watch it on my phone. So didn't want to close it on the phone. So I had a text with Jordan that popped up and hit reply and said I, I dibs Jefferson, but uh I forgot to put it in the group chat once the game was done. So that, that is bad on me, but uh, thank you, Zach, for being such a good dude about it because <laughs> that's my guy right there. That is my guy. He wanted that game so badly. Like I don't even care like how good the fantasy numbers were that game because he, he played out. He like came and he wanted that win. He was the guy who wanted that win he dominated. You could tell it like it was tough catches. He wasn't burning them. He was just working like a dog to make it happen. And that catch, holy, like mossing him and OBJ at the same time, like Justin Jefferson just became an adjective, okay? His name is an adjective now forever in the NFL. He is an adjective. And that is, you've reached legend status at that. And he's only in his third year. So I'm excited for what he can do moving forward. But uh, 
My God, that was a sick game to watch, and I loved it. Oh, Justin Jefferson, thirty point three fan. One of our uh, one of our group chats it's started gonna... going off, and they were like, "Is he is he have a Hall of Fame career already?" And I was like, "Not like not far off. Like legitimately, if he retired tomorrow, like I I don't think he can be a Hall of Famer after three seasons. But like his resume is already better than." like some of the resumes of people that go on to be hall of famers. Like it's, it's incredible. He is so good. And that catch, ah, we talked about in the charity league group chat a little bit, that catch versus OBJ's catch, which one is the best catch in the NFL history? I think this catch, I honestly yeah. think Justin Jefferson yeah. catch was the best catch in the NFL period. Yeah. That was literally, I... it was an interception. The, the player intercepted the ball. He goes out with one hand. And with one hand rips the ball out of the player's hands, like he was getting mossed. Jefferson was getting mossed, and then he, with one hand, peeled the ball out of the play. I I don't know. I think that was the best catch ever. Period. I don't know, Zach. You, you, made a, you made a face of of disagreement there, so I'm curious to see what you think. Yeah, I think uh, I think homegirl Shania said it best. That don't impress me much. Oh come right? on. Come on. When you when you have the DB and his two hands helping you one hand catch, that's like playing catch with Griffin. All right. Come you remember on. there no. you're supplying the hands to help Griffin catch the ball. Yeah, it's a great catch. Don't get me wrong. But to say that it's better than OBJ, where he used his own one hand and not the DB's two, get out of here. I don't know. Forget about it. I don't not know. using it's the DB's so, hands. So, Come okay, on. Okay. Look at the yes, video. Pull it video. out of his hands. Okay. The DB's holding the ball. Yes. So here's where I can. Okay. I can accept the fact that you disagree. That ball was going to ricochet off his fingertips to the 12 yard line. I here. Okay. Here's what I have to say. I can agree. I can respect that you think OBJ's catch is better. I can respect that. I can't respect the fact that you're saying that was just an an okay catch. That is like playing catch with Griffin. Like. That was arguably top three catches in NFL history, period. Don't, don't, put, don't, don't put words in my mouth. I didn't say Griffin wasn't a great athlete. Didn't say Griffin couldn't catch. All right. <laughs> also didn't say it was an okay catch. It was a really good catch. But to say that it was better than <sighs> OBJ, who did it all by himself, that is asinine. That one, is foolish. One hand as he's falling down, ripping it out of two hands of a grown man athlete is incredibly impressive. Yeah. You're right. But and if in it the wasn't context of the, the moment. And on fourth down. And on fourth down. Fourth down in like 13, I think it was. So it's is it would it have been a better catch? Or rather, would it have been a lesser catch if it wasn't in the moment? Would have been I think less clutch. Take the moment, take the moment out of it. And right now we're talking about did the DB help him catch it? Yes or no? I don't think no. so. No. Oh my goodness! It, if it wasn't for that DB, his hand is on the ball, and then as his hands on the ball, the DB's two hands go around the ball, and then he has to rip it out of the two hands of that DB. I this one this one might be a agree to disagree because if <laughs> we don't agree to disagree, whoever's still listening is going to keep hearing us yell. We well, haven't turned it off. We'll do. I'll put it on. I'll put on a poll on Instagram. I'll put a poll yeah. on Instagram, and we'll find out what people think. I honestly think Armin and I might be in the minority here, based on the conversation <laughs> that happened in our charity league. 
but I'm curious. I'm, I'm going to put a poll out there. We'll, we'll, we'll find out what the people think here, Zach. We'll, we'll, we'll settle it there and we'll leave it up to the people. I just have an eclectic soul and you cannot beat 2012 Odell Beckham. Okay. <laughs> That's, yeah. But this is 2022 Justin Jefferson, like. So is Jefferson and, and the DB Lewis. We can't we can't throw shade at the DB Lewis. He gets at least a third of the credit here. <laughs> if you can get half tackles on defense. He can get a third of a catch. Okay, okay, we're moving on. Zach, <laughs> Zach, tell me your side of the week. I'll just let you keep going, but we'll talk about a different different piece. <laughs> Lewis, the DB, he's yeah, the stud of the week. Yeah, the guy that got Moss. Okay, sorry. Continue. Yeah. <laughs> uh, my stud of the week, my my secondary stud of the week after <laughs> after I caught it with two hands and Armin wrestled it away with one hand at the last minute is uh is <laughs> Cole Komet. Cole Komet was and has been on a absolute tear at the tight end position. And it just so coincides with the ascension of Justin Fields. Uh, since week eight, Cole Komet has been a tight end one uh, each, of the, each of those three weeks. Uh, week eight, he was tight end 12, so just there on the cusp. But weeks nine and 10, he was the number one tight end on the week. Um, over those three weeks, he has had five touchdown receptions, so he is certainly been touchdown dependent. But right now, it's looking like he is becoming uh, Justin Fields' uh, for sure number one red zone target, if not number one target overall. Yeah, he went from droppable the first couple of weeks. Uh, well, he went from tight end, late pick darling, to droppable to unplayable to all of a sudden come full circle and is or might possibly be you know the the late stretch league winner that we were talking about last week we didn't mention his name in the in the league winner category but that's somebody that definitely could be in consideration there after losing a handful of tight ends here this last couple of weeks so um my stud of the week it's about time is what should be his name because we've been relatively disappointed with this player. You know, we were hoping this big step up and he's been good. Uh, obviously without Dak, it was, we thought he was a write-off, but um, touchdown here, touchdown there, 70 yards, five receptions. That was kind of his pace or, or average, I should say over the last couple of weeks without Dak. And then Dak came back and he had a lackluster week, but now we got to see the CD lamb that we've been hoping and praying for to take the next step up. And CD Lamb had a great week, uh, 15 targets, which is just sublime. You love to see those wide receiver ones get peppered with targets. Just it creates success. 11 catches, almost 15 targets, 150 yards, and two touchdowns for 32.5 points. This is what we've been waiting for for CD Lamb for, I'm going to say, the last two seasons for this big breakout. And it's just a treat that you finally got to see it. Um, Gallup is starting to come back a little bit. It, I'm curious to see what happens if um, if they end up signing OBJ, because uh, I think what that's going to happen is just going to open it up for him a little bit more even. And uh, he finished as the number two fantasy player on the week. Uh, so it just tells you how how awesome that is to finally see it from CD. And, uh, and I'm pumped. I have him 
um, on one team, my big money team, or not my big money team, but my big team. And it, it's, it's been a, a sigh of relief to finally see it from him. So CD is going to be my stud of the week. Uh, now transitioning to the other side of the coin, uh, the, the, the players that frustrate us uh, throughout the week and into the upcoming start sit decisions of the upcoming weeks. Uh, Armand, uh, let's kickstart this one with yours. All right. So there's guys who had poopier games than him. But I went with DJ Moore of Carolina, uh, 4.9 points, four receptions, 49 yards. Um, and the question that I want to pose here, and the reason I brought it up is, we saw a little bit of a surge after uh, the Panthers put it, or fired their head coach and brought in an interim head coach there. And is the honeymoon phase over, or was that just a bad week? And can should we be looking at these Carolina Panthers and getting rid of them? Or should we we keep the guys that kind of boomed for two weeks and maybe had an off week now? Because it wasn't just DJ Moore. It was Terrace Marshall. It was, well, Foreman still had a good week, but Chubba Hubbard, like none of them really put up the points that they had been the weeks prior. Well, I don't want to bet on Carolina by any stretch of the imagination just because it is so unpredictable, but I will give them the fact that they were literally playing in a monsoon. Like, uh, uh, what's, what's it actually called? Like, it was like um, not a seasonal storm or whatever. It's called a tropical storm or whatever the hell yeah, it's tropical storm. They were, they were playing in incredibly terrible weather. So the passing game would be difficult to play in in that sense. So I'm willing to maybe give them that, but it's – it's not one of those ones where you give an inch, they take a mile here because it's it, like I said, it is a little bit difficult to bet on Carolina at this point, but uh, in the, in the grand scheme of thing of last week, I'm willing to put that out. Not that I think DJ Moore is all of a sudden this big fantasy superstar. <laughs> they fired their coach. That's not what I'm saying either, but I am willing to throw that week out because of the situation of the weather they're playing in, but take that for what it's worth. Zach, you want to share yours here that this, this one's just salt in the wound, I think. Yeah, this was low-hanging fruit. Um, I went with Cooper Cup um, for a few reasons. Obviously, he was hurt, so that really uh, put a damper there on his week and limited his production. But before he got hurt, he was only three for five with a negative one yard, which was the one that really stood out to me. Um, I'm not sure how you can stack up three receptions and still have negative yardage, but Cooper Cup <laughs> did it. So uh, thankfully, we were looking at the half-point PPR settings, and he was able to still get 1.4 points somehow. And um, But yeah, like we talked about, this week, I, I could live with a down week from Cup, but uh, – my team's not going to last now if he's gone for uh well he, if he's gone for four weeks that's that's basically the push for the playoffs and i just don't think uh many teams are built to uh withstand that so and if it this is might be the turning point yeah you've, you've clearly played well at the end of your draft and you've done well in the waiver wire uh so this might be the turning point for a lot of seasons where a lot of studs, a lot of stud teams are are now scrambling or a lot of guys that were on the cusp, they're completely out of it. This is a good segue to what me and Armin talked about lots last week, where it's like, you're never out of it. You're never out of fantasy. 
you could be the two and what two and eight team right now, and you can still make playoffs because there's teams like this that are going to start dropping like flies. And yes, if you're the two and eight team, you got to get lucky. You got to you got to have the perfect match at the perfect time, or the players that hit at the right moment and start catching fire in the second half of the season. But at the same time, there's teams that have guys that we're talking about every single week in the dud section that underproduce or guys that drop their, they lose their best player to injury at the wrong time and you can grease your way in. So I think like Zach is talking about the one side where he's the good team that's, you can see it might start dwindling. You just, you just got to get in there. Zach could be the team that's eight and two right now and could lose the rest of the way and could miss the playoffs at eight and six or whatever it turns out to be, you know, like, there's it's it, there's stranger things that have happened um, than a two and eight team going into the fantasy playoffs. So it's a good segue to keep grinding because stuff like this happens every single week. Um, what I could live with not happening every single week is the production we got from AJ Brown. And I'm a little bit concerned because he <laughs> did get nicked up in this one rolled up. It looked like his ankle or something like that, or um, it was almost like a non-contact injury. So it's one of those ones where you really hope it's not turf toe or something along those lines. Uh, but putting up 1.2 fantasy points on four, one reception, four targets and seven yards in a, what I would call a pretty decent matchup. They were in a plus matchup for the first time or, or a plus scenario, I guess, for the first time in a long time where they had to play from behind and throw the ball a little more than usual. And that still didn't mean it was AJ Brown time, which is a little bit concerning. Uh, especially, you know, like Zach said, this time of year where you want your team to start rolling and be healthy in comparison to other teams. A.J. Brown going on an injury is not what you would need to bolster a championship roster. So hopefully he is healthy. Um, there hasn't been a lot of reports that come out yet, but you saw him hobbling around the sideline a little bit too. So I don't know if they were being precautionary or something actually happened or if it was just a stinker of a week. I just don't know the answer to that. I got to dive into a little bit more deeper, but regardless, if you had AJ Brown and you needed two points on your Monday nighter to win, uh, you didn't get it. So that, that sucks. And that's, that's a bad beat. And, and those things happen, but um, anything else to comment here, fellas, before we move into the weekly preview, I'll take the uh, silence as a no. All right, let's get the <laughs> weekly prep going here. Twenty-four hours after the game, you you got to move on. Right now, we're preparing for Cincinnati. All right, week eleven is here, and we got some new teams on by, and it's gonna be. I saw a tweet, and I wish I could remember who it was from, but it's like doing wide receiver rankings this week is gonna be real strange because you got some premier wide receivers that are out for injury, and then you got some really good wide receivers that are out for for bye week like you got Jacksonville with Christian Kirk that's been outstanding this season you got Miami with the the dynamic duo there you got Seattle who's been pouring it on and DK Metcalf has been very strong and you got Tampa Bay with some top top end wide receivers there so it's gonna be a weird week for wide receivers so once again you know just finding your way to grind out a W this week uh, and we're gonna have to look at you know some of our start sits and see where we can get so that's part of part of the fun of fantasy football but last week another I would say pretty good decision from Armin here in the, in the full stream ahead. I think you could have done both. Jimmy G was Jimmy G, you know, he didn't even get a single touchdown, but still was decent uh, throughout his yardages. So hopefully you leaned more one direction than the other, but uh, and then a couple other ones like my, 
I know the Renfro one worked out real well for the army because he ended up on the IR. So that was a, a real good call to not put him in the starting lineup. Uh, obviously we talked about that before he got placed on IR, but then the Broncos RBs were what we expected them to be. And, and then a couple other spots, you know, they weren't as great. Like the Cordell Patterson one, that was a bit of a stinker. But bouncing back in a big way here for week number 11, uh, we're going to look at Armin's full stream ahead, and then we'll get into our start sets. All right. Uh, my full stream ahead this week is Ryan Tannehill. Um, he actually was QB8 on the week last week, although it doesn't seem like he would have been. Uh, it was a very quiet QB8 uh, week. And he is available in like the high 80% of, of leagues in Yahoo and about 80% in sleeper leagues. So he is widely available for you to take off the waiver wire and plug him in if you're having a bye week problem this week um, and and just plug him in your roster. Um, I'm hoping he, he does some, some good things and Green Bay's defense has not shown to be a great defense this year. Um, yeah, Ryan Tannehill, full stream ahead. I kind of like it, and you get to you get to know what you're dealing with after the Thursday nighter. So I kind of like it. I think it's uh, that's a good one. Um, Zach, you want to start off our uh, start sets with your start of the week? Yeah. So uh, I believe I dubbed him a start a few weeks ago, but going back to the well of DeAndre Carter. Uh, wide receiver for the Chargers. Uh, over the past two games, he's had nine receptions on 10 targets for 117 yards and one touchdown, um, which at face value isn't exactly electric there, but uh, hopefully he'll bolt up and continue to produce. Uh, the game script, though, against the Chiefs this week may dictate a, a heavy passing attack. And the Chiefs, as a defense, have surrendered uh, 30 or more points in five of the last six games. Um, and then looking at the stable of weapons around Carter, uh, the likes of Williams and uh, Everett and Allen are all banged up. Everett is day-to-day, while the other two receivers uh, likely won't play at all, so this game is looking like it could be another game for Carter to get a, a big play and a touchdown. Should I just jump in here in front of Armin and say, I repeat once again, what Zach had to say for my start. <laughs> same game, same offense, uh, just different wide receiver. So it's kind of funny that we both picked the same one, but I'm going Josh Palmer uh, in the same game, same wide receiver and in the similar argument to what Zach has to say, points are going to get put up. And if chargers are going to compete in this one, they're going to have to move a ball to somebody other than the running backs. And I know it's, it's a little sketchy because these are names that you probably wouldn't throw in your starting lineups, but we talked about the teams that are on bye week and the wide receivers that are out. There's going to be a lot of teams that are going to be scrambling to try and find viable assets. And I think both of these guys are really, really strong plays in this one. Uh, if you have them on your roster or you picked them up off the waivers here, as we're literally talking about this right now, then uh, I think these guys are should be straight into your lineup unless you somehow avoided injuries and bye week hell. And even still, it's still a, a strong play even compared to some of these big name big name wide receivers. So I'll just give the up arrow to what Zach had to say with <laughs> with a full support. I am for sure starting Carter in one league, and it, there's a better than good chance it might be two. 
I have Palmer in two starting lineups already as well, too. So the one my team stinks. And so like Palmer is like, it's as about as good as it gets in a rebuild. But the other one, like it's in a competitive roster and Palmer is, is going into a competitive roster too. So I'm, I'm completely with you on that, Zach. Armin, you want to uh, share yours here? It's different game, uh, different, di- not a wide receiver. So you're a little bit different <laughs> last year, which is, which is good spread in the wealth. So let's hear what you got to say. Yeah, I'm just look at me today, providing the variety on uh, <laughs> on our quick question, and now this. Um, I went with Brian Robinson, running back for Washington versus Houston. Um, you know they they showed some toughness this last week on Monday night against Philly, and Houston is not a good team. So hopefully Washington is actually in a positive game script for once, and they can just pound the ball with Robinson even more than they have been already. And this should be a great, great game for the backfield in Washington. And, you know, they like to run the ball anyway. So let them buck in this game. They ran the ball very, very well in that Monday nighter against like a a good defense and a very good front seven. So that was like kind of one of those ones where I was like, this is am I watching the same team? Like they had so many, like several, several, several third and short situations or second yeah. and short situations and all coming from the run in the first and second down. Like it was, it was actually kind of like fun to watch. Like Terry McLaurin still had a decent day, but they got the job done on the ground and those running backs carried the load. So it was, it was quite surprising. So it's, it's going to be curious, like you said, Armin, if they continue this trend against a, a bad football team too. And, and running tough too. Like Brian Robinson was running tough, not wanting to go down. Then he went down on like the one yard line, I think, too, on another play. Like he could have had two tutties. Um, yeah. He goes down on the one. So that's a tough one. So I, I, I think this is a good one. And you're playing a little bit of Russian roulette right now, but I think the, the arrow is definitely pointing in that direction. Um, Armand, or sorry, Armand, uh, Zach, do you want to uh, start the sit section? How dare you make a gun reference when talking about Brian Robinson? I, would, I didn't even didn't even recognize it wasn't even wasn't even intentional so like i really even... shot yourself in the foot there yeah i'll just uh sit on my arse here while i just drop that comment so uh this week you just call it the uh deandre section for me uh starting deandre carter and i am sitting deandre swift um not oh. like you've likely been starting swift the past couple of weeks but if you have, you've been you've been really uh, playing it pretty loose and free there. Um, this week, he hardly saw the field, but he was able to put up a touchdown, which did salvage his day to some degree. But uh, since week one, when he had 15 rushing attempts and three receptions, he hasn't had more than 10 touches in a single game. Uh, he's missed three of them with injury, but it's been really, really dicey. And uh, outside of those first two weeks, his best finish was uh, running back 26. And I know if you have Swift in redraft, you invested in him quite early, more likely than not. But until uh, Detroit shows that they're willing to commit to him, over Williams, I uh, just don't have it in me to start him. Yeah, he he got a touchdown and got seven point seven points. Like it's yeah. Oh, it's tough sledding. And 
yeah, I'll be the first to admit I was one of the ones that was heavily, heavily on the Swift line. And the frustrating part is if you watch the Detroit Lions and their offense, they're committing to the run, especially in the red zone. And that's what we talked about was that he needs this work to, and the injury didn't help, obviously, the situation. But like Jamal Williams, I think, is either like number one or number two in the NFL for touchdowns. Like it's if if Swift had all that work, it's a different story, but we could play a lot of what ifs. That's I mean, we could sit here for hours doing that. It's been very frustrating, but I think they're being cautious with the injury and their love and faith in Jamal Williams. A combination of those two things, and obviously the negative game scripts, negative game scripts just is making Swift almost like you said, unplayable. It's you, you put, if you take the name out of the situation and look at just the general situation the players in and the statistics, you would never play him. Like if this was, we're talking about, you know, say like Rashad Penny when he was healthy or, uh, you know, we're talking about um, my goodness from Washington. We've been talking about it lots all the time. I think you just put him on the, the trade bait, Zach. Gibson. Gibson. Thank you. That's somebody that we were quick to throw to the wolves. If you put his name attached to this, we're like, yeah, sit him, sit him, sit him. But because it's a high-profile name, everybody still wants to, to start him. But I, I think you hit the nail on the head. It, it's one of those ones where it seems a little shocking at face value, you say, go sit DeAndre Swift. But if you actually take a deep dive look, like you were talking about, Zach, you, you, can't, you can't play him. It's more detrimental to your team by eating up a roster spot. Not a roster spot, but a, like a starting lineup position where there's viable options you can grab and play over him based on a situation it's it's very very frustrating is what it is yeah i would rather have him on my bench and put up like a running back one week put up like 20 points on my bench then start him and have him put up five or 7.2 yeah, 4.6 1.6 then, doesn't get that touchdown you know like yeah and then after he has that 20 point week then we start to build some confidence and hopefully him and the team can kind of string along some productivity, some consistency or flip them but until that happens. I am, I'm scared. Yeah. I, I totally agree with you. And this is coming from a diehard Lions fan. So it's, yeah, it's very, very frustrating. And I'm totally with you on that one, Zach. Um, my, my set of the week here, um, I guess I'll go with uh, mine quick and then we'll go to Armin's is, is Michael Carter. And mine is a historic, uh, historical trend of the fact that the New York Jets cannot beat the New England Patriots um, and that the Jets are coming off the bye week. They have acquired a new running back uh, a handful of weeks before James Robinson. Usually, you know, in, in the past, you go into the bye weeks and that's where you see these either rookies or new accusations, sorry, really take that step forward in your roster and get a lot more touches and, and get bolstered into the offense. Um, coming off the bye week, I think James Robinson is going to take a step forward. Um, regardless, it's going to be an ugly timeshare, in my opinion. And that's kind of where I'm statting that out, at least for this week. And going into the fact that the New England defense has been unbelievable in the most recent weeks. And historically, the Jets can't sniff the Patriots. So uh, for a lot of those reasons, I am going to be fading um, Michael Carter, even though he has been a very viable option the last handful of weeks leading up to the bye week. So my sit is Michael Carter. Uh, and Armin, do you want to wrap up the segment for us? Yeah. Um, I know Zach probably doesn't like seeing his name on there, but it, it's got to be said this week. Jacoby Myers is my sit of the week against the New York Jets. Um, you know what? 
the Jets are a good defense. Sauce Gardner is not going to let Jacoby Myers uh, get anything in this game. He shut down worse or, or better receivers throughout the season already. And uh, so just no Jacoby this week. Exactly. Starting next week. Your rebuttal. I, you're ready to go there. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. Um, we'll see. <laughs> that, that's actually that, that's gonna say on Zach's tombstone. We'll see. That's been said <laughs> multiple times, I think, in the past, but it's worth repeating. I think Jacoby Myers is too important to that offense for them to not uh to their detriment force feed him the football. Um <laughs> like two two weeks ago, or I guess three weeks ago, in week eight, when they played the when they played the Giants last. I'm getting all carried away here. I'm spinning a letter opener, just throwing it around. Uh, three weeks ago when they played the Giants, he had 13 targets uh, and nine receptions. Um, I think what suits him well is that he plays a lot out of the slot, um, where so he might not always see Sauce in the slot. Yeah, oh, okay. that, that was my thought too. Even though Sauce does take the one, he doesn't predominantly go into the slot. He predominantly stays on the outside, so – you might see him more matched up against, uh, you know, those those outside receivers and, and not so much the slot. So that might be the only reason against it. But I, I <laughs> it's this might you might have to do a little wheel wager bet here, you guys, on this one. Let's uh, let's just, make it interesting. Just lull so- Sauce Gardner to death, guarding sure. guarding like I don't know Nelson Aguilar. Have yourself sure. a day there, Sauce. You know they. <laughs> The Jets, they probably learned from the last game. You know, they got to put sauce on Jacoby. He's their, he's their number one guy, regardless if he's in the slot. Yeah. Armand, God bless you. I've been watching the Pats since like 2001. And I'll tell you one thing. The Jets don't learn. <laughs> they, they just don't. They, they should have beat the Pats at home. The last one was the first time. I think it was 18 years or something like that. 11 years, whatever the announcer were talking about. And they just failed to do so. So. God bless you, Jets. Bless you. <laughs> okay, last segments of the episode, and we'll wrap this bad boy up. Here comes the money. Here we go. Money talks. Here comes the money. Woo! 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 Ow! Love that money. So, Wellesley's wagers here sent them in for me on the Tuesday evening to talk about. Um, Came out hot on the two, on the Thursday nighter, and I thought you know some of them were a bit spicy, and he hit them and almost hit them all actually. So on two for one on Thursday, uh, very very close to hitting all three, and then on the Sunday uh, only one for three, but the one was the spicy one, and that was the Vikings upset, and it had what substantially plus money on that one, and I think that one was, I think the risky one of the riskier picks he's made so far since being on the podcast, and uh, was pretty persuasive in the sense that, you know, the Vikings are going to get done. And, and I'll be honest, I, I don't know if I believed in it, but, but he was on to something there because he cashed out a substantial amount of money on uh, that wager. So even though he only went three for seven on that week, you would have made substantial money if you were betting on the Vikings there too. So uh, this week on the Thursday nighter, we have the Titans versus the Packers. And he is taking the Titans money line plus 150 and taking the Derrick Henry uh, more than two, two or more touchdowns in the game, and the odds on for the odds are not out for that one. But Henry had a down week, and uh, he's looking for Henry to bounce back in a big way. And he said, "You know, we're going to call this one the underdog week 
because uh, he's looking at some big money. And the, the next one here on the Sunday props, this one's juicy. And just because they lost once, I don't know if he's calling for them to lose twice in a row, but um, he's taking Philadelphia to lose against the Colts, taking the Colts money line at plus 240, which is Ooh, pretty spicy. juicy um, in a sense that if the Colts actually beat them, I, that's going to be wild. Like Philadelphia losing two back-to-back weeks in, in ones they probably shouldn't have. But the fact that plus 240 odds, that's pretty juicy. Uh, and that'd be a nice little payday. So he's also taken the Vikings to take another big win against Dallas at plus 100 odds. Uh, so for some reason, you know, the money line is in the favor of Dallas and, and plus 100 for the Vikings. You know, that's a nice little payday in a sense too, where the Vikings can just keep the ball rolling. And the last one is the Bears at plus 150 versus the Atlanta Falcons. So he's calling this one the underdogs and... To be honest, I really like the Henry two or more touchdowns. He's done it several times this year already and off a bit of a down week, uh, only putting up 7.7 fantasy points this last week. And against the Green Bay defense, that is really, really poor against running backs. I got a good feeling on that one. So if you have Henry in your starting roster, good for you. Uh, (laughs) Hopefully that's going to just, the trend is going to continue and you're going to cash out. But hopefully if you put a little bit of money down on that one too, that it pays you out in a big way. Cause those two or more touchdowns, those always have massive odds, usually around plus 500 plus 600, depending on who the players, it could be even plus thousand. Like it could be quite large. So I'm going to guess that one's probably going to sit around plus 450. Uh, but if you can cash that one in, that's a nice little payday for you. So that's uh, that's Wellesley's wagers. I I wonder what would have been the uh, reward for a Christian Watson two TD because three TD. W- yeah, it it would have been substantial. I, I can go back. I'll be able to find that off the top of my head right here. I'll have to do a little bit of digging, but it would have been substantial. Like it would have been very very large. So good good for you if you if you hit that. <laughs> that's that's impressive. Um, I wish it's borderline irresponsible to be, <laughs> to be honest. But they, after that big week, they they finally dropped to Mari Rogers. So if you've been holding on to him for the hopes of what a Mari Rogers could have been, uh, his hopes are nothing. I think he fumbled four different punt returns so far in his very short stint career. So move on, just like the Packers did, because it's stinky. But anything else to add here, fellas, before we wrap this one up? I think my favorite stat on Amari Rogers that I saw this weekend was, I believe it was seven career receptions to go along with seven career fumbles. Oh, just keeping it balanced, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, that's not going to land you a second team either. It's oh. Oh, pack, Packers burning draft picks on what they thought was going to be the savior. Not so much, but at least Watson stepped up. So hopefully there's still faith in that one. And he, he looked good. He's, he's had a, a really shaky start, but uh, he came out swinging this last week. My goodness. Surprised he wasn't in one of our studs, but I guess it's just the way cookies crumble this past week. But uh, regardless, that'll do it here for us on episode number 68. Uh, hopefully good luck, everybody, in week number 11. We're getting down to the stretch here. Uh, not many weeks left before we start getting into the fantasy playoffs. So, uh, good luck in these matchups. I know they're starting, we're starting to count down the weeks and we're counting down what we got to do to make the playoffs here. So some people got to win out. Some people need to get a couple W's here. So hopefully you can get what you need. Uh, regardless, thank you very much for listening to episode number 68. On behalf of myself, Armin, Zach, Lucas, and the 22 Fresh uh, group for our major sponsorship. Thank you for listening. Take care, everybody. And uh, let's talk soon. 